This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances. Hey, is this thing on? Welcome to Maddox on the Mic, a legal podcast presented by Maddox, an independent Australian law firm. Hello and welcome to Maddox on the Mic. You're listening to an exclusive episode of Watchdog Series 3, where today we will be discussing the decision handed down late last year, the case brought by the ACCC against Google. Uh, my name is Sean Temby. I'm a partner in the dispute resolution and litigation team at Maddox, and I'm also editor of our ACCC Year in Review, and the person responsible for the publication of the Watchdog podcast. Uh, Back on the mic with me today is Maddox partner, Sonia Sharma. Sonia has a wide-ranging experience advising on technology, cyber, telecommunication, and general commercial matters. She specializes in cyber and data resilience advice with particular experience conducting privacy impact assessments and providing privacy advice on new cutting edge technologies. You might also remember Sonia from our previous Watchdog episode on digital platforms and privacy. Welcome back to the show, Sonia. Hi, Sean. It's so great to be back. Thanks for having me. Very excited to be kicking off with our first podcast this year. We want to talk about the ACCC decision um, against Google. They were, uh, I mean, it was in the press late last year. Some people may have missed it, but the ACCC was unsuccessful in this particular action against uh, Google. The judgment runs to some 137 pages, so I suspect a lot of our readers have not digested it uh, or taken the time to read all the way through it. So before we dive into our analysis of the case, can you remind us um, how we got here in the first place? Yeah, of course. So now back in June 2016 and December 2018, what Google tried to do is Google sought consent from account holders to combine their information obtained from their Google activity on their Google services. So Google search, Google Maps, Gmail, YouTube, that sort of data. And they wanted to combine that data with data obtained from their activity on third-party websites and apps for the purposes of creating, you know, more personalised services uh, and advertisements. So that's a that's a real push, this idea of providing more personalised ads to their account holders. And we've certainly and, seen a lot more of that since June 2016 now, haven't we? Absolutely. And you'll notice that as a, as a Google user, that you're getting these really highly personalised ads uh, served up to you yes. and regardless of the device that you're using whether it's your you know your, your laptop or your um your android device or whatever that might be but when they sort of sought to do that in seeking consent from google account holders what google did was they displayed a notification on account holders mobile devices and um, desktop devices in various forms And that prompted users to consent to the proposed changes. The notification requesting the consent included text, but it also included like a series of simple images or diagrams explaining what Google was proposing to do in respect of kind of combining this. Now, what happened was the ACCC alleged that this notification process and consent process was misleading and that Google failed to properly seek consent from account holders. At the same time as seeking this consent and providing this notification, Google also changed the wording of its privacy policy 
And separately, the ACCC alleged that Google had made false and misleading representations because basically in the privacy policy, Google said that it wouldn't do, effectively wouldn't do this. And, and now it was sort of changing the rights under the privacy policy effectively. And so, yeah, and, and it's very interesting because ultimately the federal court dismissed the application and ordered that the ACCC pay Google's costs. And that was quite extensive. Yeah. I mean, this is an interesting decision, particularly to contrast it with the earlier action brought by mm. the ACCC. We'll see in relation to location data, which well, I guess one of the things which I would like to talk about, what are the differences between the first Google decision and the second Google decision on the level of disclosure and the manner of disclosure provided regarding changes to privacy policies and and the nature of the consent that was sought and obtained? Because it's interesting, we've got these two different decisions with... You mean the location data one? And location then... data, yeah. Because really? my initial impression was yeah. that the, when they did it first time, they were really short little statements with the ability to click through to more information. Whereas this time, you know, certainly on the web browser versions and uh, I think some of the, the main phones, Android phones, it was four pages of text. And you could agree at the start uh, on page one, but it was quite detailed in its explanation, both with images and text. And so it was quite a different approach right. that they'd adopted on the second second on this second case. Yeah. So and it's interesting too. I mean I do think that it's it's interesting about the expert evidence around the what Google's expert was saying is that or or the HLC's expert was saying around the this idea of nudging people towards a certain acceptance like just to accept yeah accept well the, the i the i agree button kind yeah. of prompts you to just click yes and move on yeah exactly um, all right but i'm interested as well um about how the ACCC led its case on um approving the alleged misleading and deceptive conduct i know in the location data case we saw behavioral experts being used and that was evidence was received quite favorably by the court um, can you take us through the expert evidence provided by both parties in this case uh, on the structure of the notification and consent and how that then tied in with the ACCC's case um, that the conduct was misleading? Yeah, it's it's um, it's super interesting the way that the um, experts were used and what was said in the judgment. But basically the ACCC's expert, so that expert was an associate professor in behavioural economics, they gave evidence that the way in which Google tried to obtain the consent of users effectively you know, manipulated or nudged them into providing their consent. There was no clear I do not accept button. Uh, what the expert was saying is that users would effectively just be nudged into accepting these changes without really thinking about it. Now, the ACCC's expert said that for the most part, users were unlikely to understand what they were agreeing to and it appeared really difficult to opt out of this consent. Basically, the expert evidence suggested the text and the format of the notification was designed to maximise the number of account holders consenting to the change, you know, rather than giving them a clear understanding of what they were agreeing to. And, but I mean, the, the, the judge's comments on the behavioural expert evidence was, was reasonably scathing on the basis of it was yeah. hypotheses only yeah. without any kind of subsequent yeah. analysis, yeah, no consumer evidence. Yeah. yeah. And so the judge, even though the judge said it wasn't open on the pleading and the case that was led by the ACCC, really what amounts to an unfair practices 
claim, the judge found that even if that unfair practices claim had was available in, at the law, in the law, which is not, um, and had been pleaded, which it wasn't, the judge was still not convinced that the consumer had been nudged in that direction. So that was yeah. interesting, I thought, too. And And what it suggests, though, is that it's possible to, if you think things through clearly enough, you're able to meet your legal obligations by notifying individuals of the relevant matters or obtaining their consent, but structuring it in such a way that it, it might achieve your commercial objectives of more people saying, yeah, I'm sort of happy with that, which is the same for the SPAM Act as well. Like it's like you can rely on express consent or informed or inferred consent, but you just have to, you have to think through these issues in quite a lot of detail. Like you can't yeah. just roll it out. And Google has clearly done that in in relation to this specific change. I've got to say that. Yeah. It does raise an interesting question, though. The ACCC had been talking about, you know, dark practices um, around nudging uh, on in the you know digital marketplace, and they haven't spoken about it for a while. It's not clear whether it's going to be a priority for the new ACCC chair, Jenna Cascott Leib, or not. Mm-hmm. What does this do to the ACCC's desire to have an unfair practices prohibition? Because the judge really dismissed it and said that that wouldn't have accepted this as unfair practices. And I wonder, first of all, what does that do to this push by the ACCC? What does it mean for a success if the law does change for the ACCC? And then I guess what do you do to prove this nudging and how do you, you know, how do you prohibit something that is quite abstract in a way? Because the the while in the previous Google decision, the judge had been pretty happy to accept behavioural expert evidence, certainly wasn't the same in this case. So it's fascinating to me what this case says about the whole notion of nudging and how you deal with that. Is that lawful? Is it unlawful? Should people be protected from it or not? Mm. Yeah, I think it, it, it will be interesting to see how the ACCC responds to it and where that debate for reform goes, because on the basis of this decision, you'd, you'd have to say, unlikely, unlikely it's yeah, going to go anywhere. That's it, right? Well, what, what was said about the expert evidence, even though it was sort of dismissed, it suggests that nudging might be might be okay. Might be okay. Yeah. And I... I you know, the, the this notion of people as, I think, skimmers and readers, readers and skippers yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And the judge is like, well, if you're, if you're a skipper or a skimmer and you don't really take care of your own legal interests, yeah. then the um, ACL is not going to protect you. And it's really only the readers, that, the readers um, yeah. that the judge was overly concerned with. And so when you tr- then tie that back into nudging, you know, skippers and skimmers are vulnerable. And the law yeah. at the moment is the judge is saying, well, it's up to you to take to protect yourself and apply some common sense. Yeah. And that's interesting, too, isn't it? Because you think if you think about greenwashing and those sorts of claims, it's all about we're in a rush. The TV's, yeah. you, know, you know, like the TV's. Um, and I'm a, I'm a, I hadn't I'm thought a about sucker. that. That's a great observation. I'm a sucker for that. Like, I'm like, if I see the green TV, I, I, I will buy the green TV. I'm a sucker for quick marketing. So, you know, even though I'm a technology lawyer, I'll probably skip or skim because I'm also a busy mum. Yeah. And and so, but it it does say that the decision really says we'll look at the terms and conditions from the reader's point of view, not the skimmers and skippers. Yeah, that's that's a fascinating observation. Mm. All right. Well, Google had expert evidence which completely trashed that, (laughs) that evidence, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. It was quite scathing and, 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 and trashed is a 
good word. Um, I'll read a quote because what Google's expert said was at best, you know, the conclusions made by the ACCC's expert were a series of subjective conjectures which were based on undefined criteria and which lacked the support of empirical evidence. Chucked under wow. the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and in, the judge agreed. Like the yeah. judge said, at, at the end of the day, without empirical evidence to back up these hypotheses, that basically this is nothing more than your expert opinion as a yeah. person bringing a, a certain amount of expertise to that a question. And I'm the judge, and in fact, that's my responsibility. And I'm in a, I'm in just as good a place to make that form that opinion myself as you are. So therefore, I'm going to disregard your evidence. So yeah. you know, quite quite a scathing, but ultimately <laughs> was accepted by the court. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Justice Yates just concluded that it, that evidence was not very helpful, and the time and attention devoted to the, you know, it, despite the time and attention devoted to it in the hearing. And, and ultimately concluded that Google's conduct was not misleading and he didn't need to rely on the expert evidence to reach that conclusion. Yeah, I mean, as I said earlier, the um, behavioural evidence is, is growing in acceptance by the court, but I think the clear message here is that um, it cannot just be a series of hypotheses. It's got to be mm -hmm. backed up with empirical data, empirical data, I should say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I note in this case, no empirical data, no kind of research done to support these opinions, and also no consumers called to say they were actually misled. Now, it's not that unusual by the ACCC in these types of cases, because there are other, lots of other decisions saying we don't need to hear from consumers, et cetera. But I wonder whether that will change the way the ACCC prosecutes these types of matters. I mean, it's anyway, really interesting. Like you're the you're the you're the litigator, aren't you? Sure. I was going to ask you that question. What do you think the ACCC is doing? Are they reflecting on this decision? Because it's so, it's a massive loss for them. Would you yeah. say? Yeah, it is. It's a big and high profile loss for them. They've mm. obviously been pushing really hard into the privacy and consumer data space over the last couple of years. You know, elsewhere, you and I have spoken about that. You know, we, we've obviously also reported in, uh, you know, in various watchdog podcasts and also on the Maddox website that about the digital platforms inquiry. You know, this has been a big focus for the commission over a period of time, and they've had a lot of success, I think, in previous decisions. This will be a setback for them, no doubt. Mm. Uh, you know, will it change the way they go about prosecuting cases? Possibly we might, you know, it it means more time and expense on getting the expert evidence right. It probably means calling, an, you know, a small number of consumers, um, but that obviously requires you to find the consumers. And what you can find, and I've seen in the past with matters I've done um, both for and against the Commission, is the people that complain the loudest to the Commission sometimes don't make the best witnesses. Isn't that so that's a challenge for the Commission. Yeah, I mean, I think this will make them stop and think about how much more they want to do um, in this space. I don't think it'll stop them by any means, but I think I think they'll be picking their cases more carefully. Excellent. Look at me turning the tables. Who's interviewing who? <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's, it's conversational. So um, let's talk then about um, what the key practical takeaways are from this case for for our clients. What what are you what are you telling what are you telling your clients? Look, I think it's really interesting, and there are some really clear takeaways here. And we've spoken about this before, but it really highlights the importance of taking what we call a privacy by design approach, yeah. which means 
stepping back, if you as an organisation are going to change the way in which you handle personal information, you really need to work through that process and understand, you know, how best to structure that, how you're going to notify individuals, whether or not you need to obtain their consent. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. Often with direct marketing, that's a high risk area. You're going to have to think about that very, very closely and carefully. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I think Google did think about this very closely. If you look at those screens, if you look at the pictures and diagrams yeah. that they did to try and tell people what they were doing, that would have taken hours and hours of investment and time to get that right. And yeah. ultimately, that's what saved them in this decision. Oh, absolutely. The judge put a lot of weight on the fact that um, the people who took the time to read through this information which was, in my view, per, you know, reasonably clearly set out with the images and the words. The judge put a lot of weight in the fact that people clicked. That you know, I agree, they consented to these changes. So that definitely was a big part of this. And and not, I understand why you're emphasising it for uh, for clients. Yeah, and, and I think the other thing is we often see clients just wanting to. Uh, they'll make a change, and they're like, oh, well, can we just update our privacy policy? And that's the end of the story. Mm. And it's like, well, no, you can't necessarily just update your privacy policy if you are, you know, fundamentally changing the rights or reducing the rights or or doing something you said you weren't going to do. Like a lot of people have in their privacy policy, we won't combine your data with third-party data or we don't share your personal information with third, third parties. Like historically their privacy policy might have said that. So yeah. if you're going to do something different, you really need to think through, well, you know, do you need to cons get consent for that? How, how are you going to notify people for that? And I think the main message too is, yes, absolutely take a privacy by design approach. Be aware that direct marketing is, you know, really strictly regulated and there's a huge focus on it from the ACCC but also the Privacy Commissioner. So that's a really big red flag that you need to think through the issues quite carefully. Yeah. I think, you, you know, you can also structure these things to your advantage, you can, of course, you need to be within the bounds of the law, but it's, I think it is also possible to, to potentially structure the user experience in a way to meet your commercial objectives. I mean, obviously, that can be quite a fine a fine line, um, but I you think know, that it's is It's interesting, though, because the, the judge, you know, as we've discussed earlier, the judge was kind of open to this nudging approach and didn't see mm. anything wrong with it in a way. I mean, not in those, the judge didn't say that in those terms, but um, as you say, if you structure the information appropriately and you lead, you lead consumers in a particular direction, provided you do that in a way that is clear and transparent, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a problem. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. So I think, you know, you can, if you think these things through carefully, it's possible to comply with the law and also you know, ma maximise your strategic or commercial objectives of, you know, consumer engagement. But they're things that need to be, you know, really carefully thought through by the business and with, you know, legal import. And it's not something you can do in a rushed way. And clearly Google took a lot of time and effort in uh, the way they thought about obtaining that consent and the notification, which I think can be maybe contrasted with the location data, the other location data decision. Yeah. And so um, in a practical sense, what should, what should clients be doing now, clients that are thinking about these sorts of changes? What are you recommending? Look, it's such an interesting time, isn't it, Sean, for, um, for data and privacy? And I think 
this kind of regulatory scrutiny is not going away. It's, no. it's we're going to see it for um, you know it, it is built into it should be built into regulatory compliance roadmap. These are high risk areas. The Privacy Act, you know, is also being reviewed. That has had significant increases in penalties and powers. That is now, you know, law. It's it, it, the the penalties have jumped from what, whatever it was before, two point two million to 50, 50 million. That yep. is a significant in, increase. So the risks are really high. It needs to be managed, and you can't mislead consumers around the way in which you want to use their data. Given all of that, that landscape, we really do recommend that now is the time, it's the start of the new year, you need to be mapping and understanding how are you currently using your data, like what consents are you relying on, who's it being shared with and what do you want to do in the future? Like are you looking to do more personalised and targeted advertising? Are you wanting wanting to share the data with others? If you're wanting to do those things, you need to be thinking about, well, how are you going to execute that? And I think now's the time to be reviewing your privacy policies, notifications and consents and reflecting on your current practices and whether or not they are fit for purpose. Um, what's your sort of marketing strategy and where are you heading so you can think about what needs to change? How would you structure those notifications and consents? And I think, again, I know this is something we've talked about a lot, but I'll emphasise it again. Businesses need to be conducting that privacy impact assessment and taking a privacy by design approach for new initiatives. So every time you change the way in which you handle information, you need to be doing that privacy impact assessment so you can be intentional about navigating these issues and structuring the user experience so it's legal. You get the consents and notifications that you need to do, but you're also you know, maximising those strategic and commercial objectives as well. That is great advice, Sonia. Thank you very much. And um, thank you very much for joining me on the Watchdog podcast today. Can I also thank everyone for listening? Uh, We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to myself or to Sonia, of course. Our details are in the show notes. Before we um, wrap up, I also want to promote our upcoming ACCC Year in Review publication, that will be published uh, in the coming days and will be available um, on our website. Finally, if you like this episode, please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a lovely day. Thanks for tuning in to Maddox on the Mic. Don't miss an episode of the show. Head to maddox.com.au forward slash podcast to subscribe. If you'd like more information on any of the topics discussed in today's episode, visit the Maddox website, maddox.com.au.